Lord Jesus Christ, you have the words of eternal life. We praise you and thank you, Lord. May you speak to us today. May you illuminate our hearts by the truth of your word. May you warm us. May you brighten us, Lord Jesus. It's in your name that we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, again, Bolts, thank you for sharing uh, this morning. Um, Also, another way, I forgot to mention this, another way in which we're celebrating Epiphany this season is by using the Kenyan liturgy this morning. So if it's unfamiliar liturgy to you, that's, that's why we're, uh, we've received permission to be using it from our brothers and sisters on the other side of the globe uh, who are, actually they're not probably praying it right this moment because they're a couple time zones away now, aren't they? <laughs> Well, as I mentioned, uh, Anglican churches uh, are marking this second to last Sunday in Epiphany as Mission Sunday. Now, what do I mean by mission? Well, the dictionary describes it as an assignment or a task or a duty that is entrusted to you. A mission can be a calling or a quest or a purpose. Now, when we use it here in the context of the church, what I'm going to mean by it is Christ's purpose or the, the church's purpose to make Christ known through word and deed. The church's purpose to make Christ known in word and deed. And you could see this coming through powerfully through each of the holy scriptures that we read this morning, can't you? These scriptures are a theological feast for mission. And unfortunately, I don't have the time to give them full justice as to uh, what they all deserve. But what I would like to do is, is spend a moment on each one of these passages looking at Christ's mission for his church. So we're going to dive on in, starting with John's gospel. Now, this story is, is oh, it's such a beloved, wonderful story. It's a, uh, this story from John's gospel, it takes place after Jesus died on the cross. And the disciples are hiding right now. They're afraid right now. Because they're, being, they're afraid that they're being hunted down by the Jewish leaders. And that they'll be painfully killed, just like their rabbi, teach, their, their rabbi Jesus And then in this locked room, Jesus shows up and he transforms their anxiety and confusion and fear into peace and joy and purpose. He stands in front of them and shows them his wounds, showing them that he is victorious over death itself. And then he just says something that's absolutely mind-blowing to them. He says, as the Father is sending me, so I am sending you. Uh, uh, a little while ago when we were preaching in the community center, uh, one of the sound uh, guys was doing a sound check with my microphone and he was, he was jokingly saying, you know, oh, look at me, I'm Pastor Rick and as Jesus sends, you know, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you, you know, as, as if that was a, a common sermon of mine. And I'm like, yes, that is one of my common sermons, one of my common messages. One of the things that I, I just love talking about is as the Father has sent Jesus, so Jesus sends his church. And think about how mind-blowing that is, right? So God the Father sent Jesus, his son, into the world. The father anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. The father affirms Jesus from a, with a voice from heaven. And the father instructs Jesus through times of prayer. And now the church is being sent in the same way. The church is anointed and purified by Jesus in the waters of baptism. Jesus affirms the church over and over again by saying things like, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you my friends. 
And we see here in today's passage that Jesus also equips the church by the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power uh, that uh, animated his earthly ministry. So you see, friends, the mission of Jesus is shared with the church. And then it gets really wild here. (laughs) Jesus says in verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Do you remember in the Gospels how mad people would get at Jesus whenever they would overhear him forgiving sins? What would they say to him? They'd say things like, who do you think you are? No one can forgive sins except God himself. And that makes sense, right? Because sin is a crime against God, against a holy God. And so by what power does any man or woman have to pronounce the forgiveness uh, against uh, a holy God? Well, that is precisely why Jesus can forgive sins, because he is God-made man. He is the one who suffered on our behalf, atoning for the sin of the whole world. And now, as we see in this passage, this God-man gives his apostles the authority to pronounce the forgiveness of sins. Now, I wish we had time to go into a a full sacramental theology of forgiveness and and apostolic succession and the priesthood and and these sorts of things. Uh, We don't have time for that this morning. But I do want to point out that this is part of the reason why on Sunday mornings when a priest or a bishop announces the forgiveness of sins, it's not just my own personal feelings or thoughts or perceived piety that uh, allows me to do so. No, it's because Jesus Christ himself has commissioned his officers in the church to pronounce the forgiveness of sins. And then all of us, as the people of God, as the priesthood of all believers, are invited to share with the world that forgiveness and freedom can be found in the church of Jesus Christ. So many of you know that uh, back in 2020, Molly and I uh, suffered a miscarriage. Molly suffered a miscarriage. Uh, But then in the summer of 2021, our family went on this wonderful vacation. We uh, were gone for three weeks. We were traveling out west. It was super, super fun. It was a huge adventure. And right when we climbed into the van, we said, all right, let's get this family of six on the road. And the girls were like, hmm. And they counted. And there's like, there's only five of us here, Dad. I said, no, let's get this family of six on the road. They were very, very excited to learn that Molly had a baby in her belly. And we said, since we're going to be hundreds of miles away from home, far from any friends or family, uh, who we weren't quite yet ready to share the news with, now they'll be far away, you can tell whoever you want about this good news. Now, one of our daughters, who's in children's ministry this morning, Karis, she was especially thrilled by this proposition. And if you know Karis, that comes as no surprise. She told every hotel concierge, uh, every coffee shop barista, every retail employee, every stranger who we passed on the street that her mother had a baby on the way. Well, we live in a world that is desperate to hear good news. Like the disciples, we live in a world where we are locked up with confusion and fear and anxiety. And Jesus is inviting you to share in proclaiming and sharing the good news that he forgives sins, that there is freedom from guilt and shame and sorrow that haunt us all the time, that we can experience his peace and his joy by the power of his victory over death. So the first point is this, the church proclaims forgiveness. 
Now let's turn to Isaiah. Now Christians believe that this is Jesus speaking here through the prophet Isaiah. And in fact, Jesus, when he begins his ministry, he begins by quoting this passage. This is, in fact, how we kicked off Epiphany, was Jesus quoting this passage from Luke's gospel. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. Do you see how Jesus describes, how he uses this passage to describe his own ministry? Look at the things that are in this list. He says he brings good news to the poor. That reminds me of the story of Zacchaeus, who gave away his riches uh, to the poor in his town, who he had basically swindled that money out of. The brokenhearted will be healed. I think of Jesus ministering to the woman at the well and restoring her back into the community there of her village. The prison doors are going to be opened. I think of Jesus healing the paralytic, healing this man who had been imprisoned in his own body, who could finally leap up and run wherever he wanted to. He was finally set free. In verse 3, we read that he takes our faint spirit and gives us garments of praise. I think of the man who lived among the tombs, who was running around and cutting himself Again, in a prison of the tombs there. And how Jesus freed him out of that prison, clothed him, and set him in his right mind. Do you remember how that story ends? He goes throughout the village exclaiming the praises of Jesus, begging to go with him. But Jesus sends him back uh, to spread the good news of the freedom that Christ offers. So over and over and over again, throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus attending to the physical and emotional pain of men and women. In other words, Jesus' mission is to alleviate suffering, is to alleviate suffering. And then look at what happens in verse 4. They shall build up the ancient ruins. So who is it who's doing the rebuilding here in this passage? It's actually not the Messiah. It says, they will build up the ancient ruins. It's the healed and restored people of God who are taking part in rebuilding their broken community, rebuilding their broken cities. And God invites those who've been healed into his mission of repair and healing. And they're repairing the ancient ruins. Those things that have been broken forever, ruined forever. Those things which earlier generations had tried to rebuild and repair and fix with zero success. Those things which no doubt stood across their countryside as reminders of their own guilt and shame and failures. Those are the things that the people of God get to rebuild. The people of God are commissioned to rebuild cities of joy and hope and healing. This is, these are places where suffering and sorrow are no more. So our church is only four years old. I was talking to some newcomers a, a couple of weeks ago, and they were shocked to hear that. Like, yes, we are a four-year-old church. This, we did not build this facility. The Lord gave it to us. Um, but we're, I'm ex, I get so excited thinking about the ministries that you have been engaged in over these last four years. Several of you are... Uh, uh, are involved in a ministry called Arrive Ministries in which you welcomed a refugee family who is just shaked and, and shaken and, and just shell-shocked and, and traumatized from their previous experience. And you helped orient this mother and her four children to a strange new world. And even right now, we're assembling a new team to get ready to do this over again. Several of you are involved in a ministry called Together for Good or uh, Foster Parenting. Many of you open your homes and welcome children into them who are experiencing, whose parents are experiencing some kind of crisis. 
Several months ago, Amber from Black Butterfly House came here and she shared her vision how she wanted to create a home for women exiting the prison system where they could get together and live together and study the Bible together and receive job training and enjoy fellowship with one another. And you stepped up and you, you nearly furnished the entire house just from this small church. Praise the Lord. And then when the pandemic began, we established a compassion fund. And over the last few months, listen to some of these things. We, we don't really have many opportunities to share some of this, but listen to some of the ways in which your money, the Compassion Fund, has been helping people. Someone was helped who experienced a, a loss of income because of a serious illness that they had suffered from, and, and the Compassion Fund helped to pay their medical bills. This also helped replenish the pockets of a young boy who was robbed at gunpoint on his birthday. This helped uh, a steady man who's, who's come out of homelessness, who one of your dear friends with, and this money helped, um, helped him buy a new car that had just been stolen from him. So what's so powerful about these is that these aren't people necessarily even in our own church, but many of you have an eyes outside of the church, and you're seeing people who are in need, and you're asking the church, would we be able to give money to this? And the church is saying, yes, this is what we're here for. We exist for the alleviation of suffering of those in our community. You see this, and you decide, we want to do something about it. So Jesus invites the church into his mission of alleviating suffering, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to comfort those who mourn, and to repair the devastation of generations. So now, let's turn to Romans. And actually, I'm running a little short on time. <laughs> so I'm going to be quick in our passage from Romans. So two things here. In the first paragraph, Paul wants us to understand that salvation is a simple message. He says in verse 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that is a message that is available to everyone, regardless of their, their race, uh, regardless of their socioeconomic standing, their education, that is a message that is available to all. And then in the second paragraph, we see that we are invited to participate in it. This is a reiteration of what we've been saying this whole time. Paul asks a series of questions in this. You could summarize them by saying, how will someone know Jesus unless someone is actually sent? And then he quotes Isaiah saying, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. In other words, Paul is making an appeal to you to share this message, to participate in this work, to participate in the mission of Jesus Christ. So uh, I made a new friend this week, which I know might be a surprise to some of you that Pastor Rick can make friends. Uh, but I made a new friend this week, and he, was, he shared this beautiful story that was just a blessing to me. He shared that he was invited to, to go to a hospital uh, and visit with someone who's on their deathbed, who's dying of cancer. And the, the sister of the man who's dying said, just as a heads up, he really hates Christians, and he just, he won't want to talk about Christianity whatsoever. In fact, whenever uh, spiritual things come up, he, it, it's almost as if he literally cups his hands over his ears and says, I don't want to hear about this. Well, as my friend was sitting to this individual, we'll, we'll call the, the sick uh, man Frank, he said, Frank, what do you think is going to be meeting you on the other side of this? And Frank said, honestly, I haven't thought about it. 
My friend said, you know, usually when I ask people about these things, they say, actually, I haven't thought about it. <laughs> or they'll say, you know, I'm generally a good person, so I'm, I'm sure I'll get in. Or a third thing they'll say is, my life is in the hands of Jesus, and I'm eager to meet him. And then my friend said, Frank, do you want to know Jesus? And much to the surprise of my friend, he said, yes, yes, I do. This, is, this man is in his mid-60s. After a lifetime of cupping his hands over his ears, he wanted to talk about Jesus for the first time. Sin and suffering is a cancer consuming our world right now. Anxiety and fears trapping people in their homes and in their hearts. Despair claims the lives of children. The allure of wealthism and healthism is able to distract men and women their entire lives, causing them never to consider the things of heaven. But Jesus has invited his church into his mission of proclaiming freedom from sins and alleviating suffering. You know, sometimes we can focus on one of those things and not the other. You know, here at Restoration, when we talk about mission, we like to talk about these two things as the two wings of an airplane, the forgiveness of sins and the alleviation of suffering, proclaiming the gospel of Christ in word and deed. These things go together, and we see them going together all throughout the ministry of Jesus Christ. So if this is new to you, if these things are new to you, I've got, I've got a good word for you. Next week, we're actually going to be celebrating the conclusion of Epiphany with baptisms on Transfiguration Sunday. And so if you're here today and you want to experience the peace and the forgiveness and the joy and the gladness and the family that comes when you become a Christian, come and speak to us. Or anyone who's wearing a blue lanyard here, uh, we would love to talk to you about being baptized next week, being welcomed into the family, the household of God, of hearing the affirmation of the church spoken over you, being assured of your forgiveness of sins, of being filled by the spirit of Jesus Christ and sent out on his mission. And for those of you who call restoration your home, help us dream about how we might grow in this, grow in this mission. Praise the Lord, he gave us this building, right? And shame on us if we choose to just polish this building and make it even more beautiful and never share, never ex go outside of this community and share the good news of Jesus Christ. May the Lord give us holy imaginations on how to make him known. Amen. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> You stretched out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you. For the honor of your beautiful name. Amen.